Hello and welcome to Slate Money Goes to the Movies. And oh boy, do we have a corker of a movie with which we are kicking off this season. I'm Felix Salmon of Axios. I'm here with Emily Peck of Axios. Hey, Barbie. I'm here with Elizabeth Spires of All Over the Place. Hi, Barbie. (laughs) Yes, and we are talking Barbie, and we have a truly Barbie-licious, perfectly wonderful, brilliant, perfect person to talk Barbie with. You've heard her name on this show many times in the past, but you've never heard her voice. Shayna Roth. Hey, Barbie. (laughs) <laughs> I was gonna. I was thinking maybe I should go with a Hey Ken just to be different, but. <laughs> Shana, introduce yourself. Who are you? I am Shana Roth. I am a senior producer at Slate. I uh, produce The Waves, which is Slate's gender and feminism show. I also pretty frequently host The Waves, including The Waves' really exciting Barbie episode. It wasn't necessarily about the movie, but it was about the history of Barbie and Barbie as a feminist icon. Uh, I also jump around on different shows across the Slate network, either producing or guesting or guest hosting. And so, yeah, I'm kind of all around at Slate. A woman of many talents. We are extremely excited to have you on the show. And... Because this is Slate Money, I think I'd like to start by asking you, what is your opinion of how capitalism is, you know, comes across in this movie? Is this an, is this a pro-capitalist movie? Is it an anti-capitalist movie? What what is it? I think it is a pro-capitalist movie disguised as an anti-capitalist movie. I like it. Because... Yes, you have Mattel being this like male dominated conglomerate that is trying to package feminism, girl boss, yay, we can do itness uh, in order to make money. And but they end up being fine at the end. At the very end, Will Ferrell's like, I have seen the light and I'm going to be a great person now. <laughs> and I think that anytime that you redeem your capitalist players, like that, it's kind of a sign that actually capitalism was our friend all along. And I mean, you really can't ignore the fact that this is a movie about a company, about a product from a company that essentially is being very much endorsed by said company in order to make yeah, all of the money. It's a two hour ad for a toy made by Mattel. Yes. Um, would, would you agree with that, Elizabeth? Yeah, I, th- I think uh, part of the trick, and, and this is sort of a genius way to do it, is that if they critique an aspect of capitalism, and in this case it's um, treating women as a consumer category and not as complete human beings, then it seems like they might be indicting capitalism, but not really. I mean, you have a very romantic story behind the founder of Barbie that sort of takes the edge off of uh, criticisms of the toy and the, the narrative around the toy. Um, and, and, you know, there is a nice happy ending where everyone is more self-aware. So, yeah, I think they they do a little bit of a sleight of hand in the sense that they they nod to the capitalistic aspect of what's happening, but without fully, while, while making you feel good about the fact that uh, it, it is still, you know, the Barbie you love. 
It's about knowing their consumer better so that they, way they can make them sell more things. I mean, at the very end, you have our main human pitching new Barbies and then being like, actually, no, this one will sell. Not we, not we like the idea, but it'll sell. So, yeah, let's do this. We can do Ordinary Barbie because she will sell. The movie is hard on patriarchy, mm-hmm. and I don't think it's a pro-patriarchy movie no. at all. So I guess patriarchy is not the same thing. I mean, I know it's not literally the same thing as capitalism, but I guess the argument is patriarchy can be extracted or removed from capitalism. You you can perfect the capitalism by removing the patriarchy from it. Patriarchy is a stain on capitalism, and the faster it goes away, the better the capitalism will become. Hmm. I I like this idea, Shana, that that you seem to be having, that the – like a spoonful of acid makes the sugar go down. Mm. That like they they have a relatively sugary message underneath it all, but no one no one these days has the appetite for just like a purely bubblicious Barbie. They they need a little bit of sort of acidulous cynicism in there somewhere. They need they need that scene where Barbie is described as being a fascist. Otherwise, like there's, yeah, otherwise there's no conflict, and you can't have a movie without a conflict. Well, I think that's also a function of of the generation that's really uh, considered culture makers right now, and it's it's the sort of late Gen X, early millennials. So there there's a lot of pandering to us in that movie. And even if you're taking your kids to go see Barbie now, it's impossible to have any kind of kids movie that doesn't have built-in gags and references mm. for. Uh, like there's a pavement joke in Barbie, which to me was the the most pandery thing to Gen X audience. But um, you know that's also part of what you need the irony. I feel like you know the what was that um, Nintendo movie that just did blockbuster numbers and had no Gen X credibility whatsoever? Super Mario Brothers. Yeah, like it, it's possible, but like but no, this was. This was definitely the only kids movie I can remember in a long time where all of my adult friends were going to see it whether or not they had kids. I went to see it. I don't have kids. Oh, that's it's not, not a true kids for movie. me. I didn't, like I, I, I didn't think oh. it was a kids movie. I don't think it's oh. a kids movie. Yeah. It's the kind of movie that you could take kids to because they, and, and they, the theaters absolutely expect that you will. I mean, it's not rated R. It's not, you know. <laughs> Right, but it felt like the marketing was very focused on the adults, and I think that was smart. I think that Mattel is drawing the wrong message from how popular the show is. I mean, they're using this as a spring-off for turning all of their products into movies, none of which are going to do as good as Barbie. Barbie succeeded because of its advertising to adults and because of its ability to... I think that there are a lot of movies that are marketed towards like men, 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 men. And this right. one is very much like, no, we're going to we're going to be about women. We're going to be about people who are positive towards women and who want to see feminism, I, feminist ideals succeed. And I think that the takeaway should be that there are that there should be more movies that approach and are for that demographic instead of oh, it succeeded because it's a doll and it's because of this product. And so let's turn Barney into a movie and let's turn Hot Wheels into a movie and let's turn all of these other things into a movie. Yeah, I also think it succeeded because of Greta Gerwig and you know Noah Baumbach. And, and you know, how, how are you going to replicate that with Bar- Barney? <laughs> <laughs> 
You just get Greta Gerwig and Noah Baumbach's I, idea. I don't like, think they do that easy. again. <laughs> I think Mattel's strategy is they're looking at toy sales overall declining these past few years. Like toys just don't sell the way they used to. So if they want to keep their brands going and they want to keep selling stuff, they have to appeal to older people. They have to mine nostalgia. Mm-hmm. So the movie is is really doing that. It's marketing toys to adults. That's the market now. And it definitely has succeeded just in terms of, I see a lot more pink now. Do you, do you guys? It, yeah. I mean, like, that's the thing. Like, it made pink, like, a very big color all of a sudden. <laughs> yeah. Like, everybody is great and happy to wear pink now. Whereas I feel like even as early as, you know, a year ago, pink was still that, like, oh, it's too girly. We can't do it. It's, right? it's, it's saying something that's like, it's okay to be girly and fun. And I think that the present moment, this is great for. I mean, women have had a very hard year, couple of years. And this was something that was giving them optimism, fun, and as Felix pointed out, sugariness, but also letting them get out some of that rage. I mean, you had that speech about how hard it is to be a woman, and I'm sure there were a lot of women that went to it and saw it and were like, I feel seen for the first time in forever. The irony, of course, and I'm far from the first person to point this out, is that Ryan Gosling kind of steals the show. He really does. Right? He so does. He's so good. <laughs> he's so good. <laughs> and like, he's, he's, he's by far the most memorable character in the movie. Barbie herself it just isn't nearly as well-defined. No, I was watching last night. I went back and I was just watching that dance scene, the, the, the fight scene mm-hmm. and the big song. And just Ryan Gosling's face and the way he's acting through that whole that whole thing, the whole dance is just, it's just spectacular. It's Margot Robbie. Yeah. She lost to him for sure. But the movie isn't just for men. I think it makes strong points. Isn't just for it's women. It's not just I mean. for men, this movie. <laughs> this movie isn't just for women. I mean, it makes really strong points about, um, and Elizabeth, I think was getting at this earlier about how the patriarchy is damaging mm-hmm. to men also. I think it's really even handed on that on that front. And some of the conservative criticisms were silly, you know. Um, yeah, there was a, a line of criticism from uh, a lot of high profile right wing people that said, you know, this, this movie basically hates men. And it's like, and no, it you're, you're mad because you're seeing a movie where the, the male character solely exists as a, a romantic interest for the protagonist. Like, you're, you're so close to getting it. and maybe maybe i misspoke maybe that's a better way of putting it it's not marketed towards conservatives or you know in a way that would placate or be enjoyed necessarily by conservatives whereas a lot of movies i think you could argue they just work across all the quadrants and are meant for everybody to be happy except maybe not thinking as much about women but yeah this is definitely something that wasn't meant to appeal necessarily to conservatives if they're not willing to be a little bit more open-minded. Yeah, there's also uh, a thing I was thinking about earlier was just to go back to the capitalism theme, the the line that I think everybody landed on right when the movie came out was uh, the Ken character saying, my job is beach. And, <laughs> <laughs> and you know, it, it's, it's sort of true in the Barbie narrative, but when you think about how women are portrayed in the work world in movies where men are the protagonists, mm-hmm. it is kind of, oh, my job is home or you know, <laughs> my job is kids. office my job is office my job is yeah, yeah. kids <laughs> emily you look like you were going to disagree with me please do 
Um, I think it was. Uh, it's a very entertaining movie, and it never gets far enough to be too heavy-handed with messages about the patriarchy or this or that. I feel like at heart, it's a movie that's really meant to appeal to a broad audience, and you see that in the numbers. You know, mm-hmm. um, it's really at heart. It's it's a movie. It's like a coming of age, basically. You know, Barbie becomes aware that she's like a person who's going to die someday, and. <laughs> she becomes a woman in the movie, right? She's just a girl. She's a toy for meant for girls. And then all of a sudden she is a toy that's being played with by a woman and like her whole modality changes as a result. You know what I mean? Like she, of course she doesn't like Ken or have romantic feelings for him. She's just a little kid. Like mm-hmm. girls are like, they look at boys and they go, yuck. Like, what are you for? I don't get it. You know what I mean? I felt like it was just like a coming of age movie that really anyone could get into. You know, the character goes through something. She learns a lesson. Her feet come down to earth. She puts the Burks on. Like, But it does end with her saying, I'm here to see my gynecologist, which felt very much like (laughs) a button of like who this movie is for. But but all women see gynecologists, not just liberals. Even even conservative women (laughs) have been noticed. You can vote for Trump and go to a gynecologist. I hope that you do. I hope. I hope that you do. (laughs) I think it's important that you do. See your gynecologist. (laughs) But I mean, if if it wasn't meant for conservatives, then there must not be very many conservatives because it it crushed at the box office, right? Yeah. Right. I think the kind of people who need to politicize – movies were happy to try to politicize this you know and you find a few of them you know in high profile places but in broad america this was not a political movie this was a wonderful piece of bubblegum entertainment that you could see instead of going to sit through oppenheimer and you could bring the whole family and it was funny and you get to see you know ken having fights and great production design and all of this kind of stuff. And um, and it's just, and people would go back and people would dress up and like that, I feel that aspect of it, the way that they really masterfully created a cultural phenomenon where you wanted to go and wear pink and see it in the theater and go with your friends and have that communal theater going experience. It's what Hollywood needed at the time. Well, also Very part nice. of it was just coincidental because, you know, Oppenheimer, Oppenheimer opening the same weekend caused like an entire meta phenomenon <laughs> that, that worked, I think, for both movies. It, it just sort of gave them both I think it did. It helped Oppenheimer weirdly somehow. Yes. I don't know. I feel like it is a political movie. I mean, like, I feel like it's definitely a movie that you can... I don't know. I don't know that you can make a movie arguing for completely undermining the patriarchy and women taking back power in a community and all of these things in 2023 and have it not be political. Yeah. There's a business. There's a business case for that though, too, because, you Mm. know, Barbie sales were were slipping on criticism that the, the narrative around the doll was, was too old fashioned, you know, and no matter how many engineer Barbies Mattel was putting out that, that sort of perception of Barbie was still sticking so I think for the people who are buying Barbies for their their kids right now, that's that's some of the adults who went to see the movie. It's kind of refreshing for them to see a Barbie that's sort of existential dread Barbie, or a little yeah. darker, or acknowledges <laughs> the absurdities in the in the narrative. Or you know, my favorite character was Weird Barbie, uh, 
which was, I think that was tapping into nostalgia because if you had Barbies you and you had brothers, you, you absolutely had, or dogs, you had Barbies that were just mauled by, <laughs> by people in the house. So, Or you mauled them. We were, we immediately thought of my daughter because all her Barbies look like, look like weird Barbies because she cuts their hair, she dyes their hair, she does all this crazy stuff to them, like no arm or whatever. And now Mattel is going to issue every girl a weird Barbie that looks like um, the, which is, no, I'm blinking on the, I just, You can't pre-make a weird Barbie. I mean, it's, <laughs> it's, it's like when you buy jeans that already have rips in them, which I know is a but big people thing. Do. People, I know, and I know people do it. But it's like, guys, come on. It's not authentic. You can't pre-weird your Barbie. I went to see Stevie Nicks uh, last week, and in the middle of the show, she comes out and she goes, I have to tell everybody something that nobody knows yet. And this was at Madison Square Garden. She goes, but people will know in a couple of hours. And she pulls out a Barbie doll, and Mattel is making a Stevie Nicks Barbie doll. Oh, I saw that. And she talked about it for like 30 minutes. (laughs) (laughs) You're like, shut up. I want to listen to some music. It was really a triumph because, yeah, there's a generation that loved Barbie. Then there's a generation that was like wanted nothing to do with Barbie because it wasn't feminist. And then Mattel has just been trying and trying for years to be like, no, she is feminist. She can be a doctor. Look, we made one that's that has a laptop and glasses and like, look They're at this. Pink, and but- <laughs> yeah, but like we can do it. And I feel like I, I, I was happy that the conversation has advanced from we can't like Barbie because she's not feminist to, okay, we know her body is ridiculous and not real, but like, it's fine to play with Barbie. Like, it's not going to damage your daughter if she has Barbies. There's other stuff in the world that will do that job. Don't worry about it. (laughs) Did you guys play with Barbies when you were growing up? Oh, so much. I was a huge Barbie kid and it never occurred to me, I think at the time, to be upset about how tiny her waist was like I didn't I don't even recall really thinking about it in that way for me Barbie was just a vehicle to act out stories because that was all I wanted to do was to do imaginative play as a kid and that was what I used Barbie for and I think it depends on the kids and what they see but what I thought was on maybe unnecessary maybe a little heavy-handed but interesting in the movie is how they sort of explain that Barbie for all of you know, your qualms about what she looks like, Barbie was really ahead of her time. I mean, it was a, it was brought about at a time when the main toys for girls was, you know, mom and training toys. It was baby dolls and little irons and things like that. And then Barbie comes along and she's not married and she doesn't have a kid. And she later on can be all of these different careers. It was like, hey, here's a doll that will allow you to pretend to be something other than a mom and a housewife. And I think that that is what I always use Barbie for. And like, obviously, as a kid, I wasn't like, here's my feminist thoughts about Barbie while I'm playing it. But I think that <laughs> I think there's probably a lot of kids that innately hone into that aspect of Barbie. It's the, oh, I can use this as a vessel to be anything I want to be. Which you can't do with a, a, a baby doll, right? You can't pretend that the baby doll is, is you know, going to the moon and being an astronaut. No. You don't need astronaut Barbie to do that, but you do need someone who's recognizably an adult. Yeah. Unless you're yeah. doing research on babies or something. There you go. <laughs> Unless it's a totally different type of play. It's the first baby to space. <laughs> But that's why the the opening scene of the movie I thought was like just so 
brilliant and captivating. It's like a scene for scene re reshoot of the first scene of 2001. And, you know, it's all the, the little girls and it's all gray and they're playing with the Barbies. And then someone raises the, they're playing with baby dolls rather. And then someone raises one of the dolls in the air, just like they, in 2001, they raise, I think like a club in the air or something. Um, and then, and then you see Barbie, you know, triumphant and giant. It's so good with that music. <laughs> also struck Zarathustra by Richard Strauss, since you asked. I love that you just had that off the top of your head. The amount of money that Mattel and the producers put into it is, was also like a very, it was very visible. Um, I read this fascinating a- essay about the insane amount of work they did on the um, the color and getting exactly the right shade of pink for Barbie and the kind of color... Um, sort of uh, film processing technology that they basically invented in order to perfect the shade of pink in the movie. And that's why the pink that you see in the Barbie movie is a pink you've basically never seen on screen in movie theaters ever in your life. And it pops and it shows. And they spent millions of dollars on this. And it really was a kind of no expense spared production for you know a movie that was directed by a woman. And historically speaking, Movies directed by women have been relatively, you know, compared to big Hollywood movies, relatively low budget affairs. And now, first with Wonder Woman and now with Barbie, we have reached the world where women can, you know, sit in that director's chair and just be like, I want to spend $5 million on color correcting. And the producers are like, yeah, that makes perfect sense. <laughs> and that should be the me- the lesson here from everybody, which is give more women more opportunities to direct big pictures or even just passion projects like let them do things how they want to do them and also by the way while we're here also allow them to fail because a lot of times like because if this had failed and hadn't gone well i'm fairly certain there would have been a bunch of articles and a bunch of chatter about how like well see we just we can't let those women make those girly things (laughs) (laughs) there there was zero chance this movie was going to fail it was it was destined to succeed that's true but it did it did blow out expectations expectations were high but it's it's success was you know astounding and that's why it had to be anti-patriarchy and pro-capitalism because the whole project is Mm pro-capitalism and and Greta Gerwig wants to break into the patriarchal movie industry just as much as you know Mattel, Barbie wants to break Mattel's patriarchal hold over the toy business in the movie. Um, you can't have a big movie like this that's not anti-capital. That's that's anti-capitalist. There's a line that uh, Barbie has in the movie where she's talking to the creator of Barbie, and she says, "I want to be part of the people who make meaning, not the thing that gets made." And it's a you know, it's I guess a critique of the commodification of women as products. Um, but also just to go back to the capitalist theme, it's, you know, I, I want to be part of the class of people who own the means of production, not, you know, the, the thing that's produced. Yeah. Yeah. It's not like she wants to blow up the system. She just wants to be one of the people on top of it. Mm, that's a good yeah. point. But she doesn't quite get there, right? I mean, we need to wait for Barbie 2 for that to happen. <laughs> well, after she goes to the gynecologist, she obviously <laughs> goes back to Mattel and is the new CEO. So. <laughs> The girl boss. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I 
Maybe just, that's what yeah. the sequel should do. Just take the, down the, the, the one. The one thing that never changes is that the CEO of Mattel will always wear rollerblades. <laughs> <laughs> that's no easy feat. Rollerblading is hard. Yeah, I mean, we'll we'll fare on rollerblades. We needed to see it, and we saw it. <laughs> he has his. He is basically has this like side line as corporate overlord in maybe not fully children's movies, but kind of children's movies. Because if you've seen the Lego movie, he plays Lord Business. Oh, yeah. <laughs> which is an also the, the same this kind is, of character. Which is exactly basically. the same character, right? Also Pretty Zoolander. Much. Now that you mention it, isn't his character in Zoolander? I mean, he's not like a like a businessman, but he's kind of like a head of some sort of, I haven't seen Zoolander in forever, but like a head of some sort of like fashion something something. He's the one that's trying to bring Zoolander down. It's kind of the same yeah. character. Because he's like a tall white guy. Like he could have been a CEO in a different life if he wanted. Like he has the the look. And that's all it takes. As we learned from, from Ken, <laughs> that is all it takes. <laughs> Patriarchies. It's somehow about horses. It's where men and horses, men with horses run everything. Is that oh what patriarchy? Oh my God, the, horse, the running horse joke was so great. <laughs> um, the, uh, the previous big feminist, blockbuster directed by a woman was Wonder Woman, mm. right? Which which cleaved much more closely to um, Hollywood formula, um, but was also incredibly successful. How, how would you sort of compare those? Did Barbie manage to do something that even Wonder Woman couldn't? I don't think those two movies are in the same category at all. Like, I, I think uh, the superhero movies are their own genre. They have different economics, different audiences. Um, there, there probably is a good comparable for Barbie, but I don't think that would be it just because it has a female protagonist. I think Barbie's a more feminist movie probably than Wonder Woman was. You think? I mean, I think Barbie might be more obviously but I don't know, man. Mm. Wonder Woman, seeing all the Amazons in the first 20 minutes and all of what they were doing. And then I just remember that initial fight scene of all of the Amazons working together and just sitting in a theater going like, I have never seen this before, which was sad and tragic. Mm. And but being like, <laughs> oh, my gosh, cool. This is great. I get to see this <laughs> on a screen. Whereas with Barbie, I felt like maybe the speeches that like America Ferrera gave. I hadn't really seen on screen before, but it wasn't, mm -hmm. it didn't quite grab me the way I think that like Wonder Woman did. And knowing mm. that there was like a female behind the scenes giving this empowering female character this really great arc and, you know, seeing a superhero female not sexualized. Yeah, I don't know. Did you get just a random recommendation? I don't know if you guys saw The Woman King, which is. Uh, it's no, not, not explicitly a superhero movie, but it's fantastic, especially if that's what you liked about Wonder Woman. I'm going to have to see that. So is there going to be a Barbie sequel? And There's bound to be, right? This one was just way too successful for there not to be. But Greta Gerwig just doesn't seem like a sequel gal. Yeah. So if there is and she's not part of it, I feel like it's going to be not yeah. great. She might not be a sequel girl, but she also likes, you know, $20 <laughs> million dollar paycheck. So probably she'll do it. I think this is one of those movies that is prime to have one of those like really bad sort of straight to video type sequels like Mean Girls mm -hmm. when they did a Mean Girls 2 where nobody from the original was involved in it. But they're like, hey, we have the same kind of 
ish plot line and ish school. So we're going to make it a sequel and slap the name Mean Girls 2 on it. I think this is possible that we're going to get a Barbie where it's just some random blonde that nobody's ever heard of and some other random blonde. And they're going to be like, it's Barbie Land, but nobody involved in the original is involved in it. And everybody's going to hate it and be mad. What, what probably could work, though, is if they took one of the characters and spun them off. Like I would watch an entire movie about Alan. Or Midge. Yeah. Or Midge. <laughs> I think that, you know, Greta Gerwig came up through quirky independent films and everyone's like, oh, that makes you a quirky independent filmmaker. Um, and obviously you would never want to do Barbie 2 because that's too mainstream. But one of the narratives that I really liked about Barbie, like one of the meta-narratives about the movie, was the way in which Greta Gerwig and Margot Robbie, you know, were very hands-on producers and they made an absolute shit ton of money off it because they had the, you know, they they produced the movie and getting rich off a successful popular entertainment product is a great feminist thing to do. And there's no shame in that. And if there's demand in the market for Barbie 2 and we can make even more money from that one, great, let's do it. Like, I don't think that she's going to be sitting there in sort of Gen X agony going, oh, if I make Barbie 2, am I selling out? I just mean maybe she wants to do something totally new and like it would be not inspired by the same characters again. Yeah, I think she can, but... she can do any next movie that she wants. So... Maybe she'll just make do with Barney instead of Barbie. <laughs> I want her to do something different, I think, as a consumer. And a human. I, I'm, I, I want her to do Barbie too, I have to say. I, I, I thoroughly enjoyed Barbie 1, and I'm like, let's see where she can take this. I'm sure, I, you know, it's not going to be a, you know, as you say, like she's, Barbie has now become a, a real woman in the real world. And where that can go, there's a million <laughs> different ways that can go. Felix, if you had to sum up the reasons why Barbie is a slate money movie. Could you do it? <laughs> I mean, there, I think there are two reasons. One is the conversation that we were having about, like, the the sort of have-it-both-ways um, approach that it has to capitalism. Like, you, you, you watch it feeling like it's doing something terribly transgressive where it's critiquing... Um, you know, the very forces that created it. But mm -hmm. ultimately, it doesn't. And mm -hmm. it becomes weirdly a great sort of celebration of capitalism, both on the screen and, as I say, like off the screen when all of these women who made it started making shit tons of money. Um, so so I think between the, the on-screen issues around, like, how are we presenting this this economic world that we're, we're in and the off-screen... Um, sort of meta-narrative about, like, Mattel and capitalism and making money off this movie and making people buy toys and um, making a bunch of women very rich by having made it. I think there's a lot to sort of get your teeth into there. Yeah, I think that's right. That, that sounds right. I was just wondering about it right before we started. I was like, wait a second. <laughs> there's no frozen concentrate orange juice futures or what are we gonna <laughs> yeah it's not it's it's not um trading places i will i will grant you that but trading <laughs> places i'm pretty sure did not pass the bechdel test and this one 
most definitely does. That's what I was going to say. All these the, these movies directed by women for women viewers, they pass whatever the opposite of the Bechdel test is. There's always a bunch of dudes in them. Like after the Amazon scene in Wonder Woman, she had a sidekick guy for the whole movie, mm-hmm. right? And like Barbie has Ken. Like you don't see like an all girl kind of movie ever still, you know? I don't know. Because we just came off. Oh, yeah, except Bridesmaids. Okay, fine. And I think you see it more in comedies, you know, because then you had like Girls Trip and things like that. I feel like usually if you want like a full female cast, it's like comedies. But I agree, like in these really big budget ones helmed by women, you still have to sprinkle in the men's. You got to get some eye candy in there. (laughs) Can can I just take this opportunity to recommend that everyone, if you want to see an amazing feminist movie, go see The Women from 1939 with Joan Crawford. Where not only is every single character a woman, you never see a man on screen, but like you never see a man on screen. Like The director was careful to make sure that even when you see a framed photograph on a desk, it's a photograph of a woman. It's pure women all the way through. It's a wonderful movie. Well, I'll, I'll have to go see that. We should we should probably bring it back to Barbie. Um, you guys all loved it, right? But let's just go down the list. Letter grades, Elizabeth. Uh, I gave it an A. It surpassed my expectations pretty heavily. So. Emily. Oh yeah, I give it an A. It was so fun and enjoyable. It made me laugh, and I did even tear up at points. So I mean, yes, A all the way. I I'll give it. An A minus, I think. There's, there's, there's like, I think partly around the kind of way that I couldn't quite understand what the lead character. There wasn't a lot of character there. That she, there was, there was a little bit of emptiness there, and I could have done with a little bit more sort of coherent plot. But it was a truly enjoyable film, all the same. Um, but Shana. You're you're the you're the special guest. What is the actual rating for this movie? I give it like a B to a B plus. <gasps> and and I think I know why. I think I saw the movie too late. I think this is a movie that works really well right when it comes out before there's been all of the think pieces and everybody mm-hmm. has put up all the memes and you've sort of had a lot of different bits and pieces of the movie inadvertently spoiled no matter what you do just by being a person in the world. Um so seeing it you know, very late behind a lot of people, I think that kind of did something to my experience. I will say, though, that there were a lot of really great bits and pieces of it that I really, really liked. Um, but I, I agree with Felix. I think some of the character development suffered, particularly with the humans. I mean, we just I don't know why America Ferrera's daughter was suddenly like, yeah, no, I'm on board with all of this and I love my mom. That's true. You know, like <laughs> there was some of that that was lacking and probably could have been helped if there wasn't so much of the Barbie world stuff in the beginning. It felt like the movie took a long time to really get moving. That being said, I, I loved the Barbie world. I thought the whole movie was incredibly gorgeous. So there was a lot, a lot to recommend. But I think I got to go with like a BB plus. But maybe that was because of my silly self taking way too long to see the Barbie movie. No, I mean, a, a good movie has to be timeless, right? It can't be something that you have to see in two weeks. That's true. That's true. And I do think that this is one of those movies that will probably stick around in the culture for quite a while. I am curious, though, in like 10 years, do people remember the Barbie movie or has has it moved on? 
Yeah, it's it's impossible to talk about it now without all the context of its marketing and its promotion and the memes. But in 10 years, you know, when we do it again for Slate Money Goes to the Movies again and again and again, <laughs> how will we feel? What will we say? Yeah, we should revisit <laughs> that. that stick a pin in that. We'll revisit this in 10 years' time. So Perfect. Bobby, Bobby won. Did it hold up? In hindsight, it wasn't it wasn't nearly as good as Barbie Three. Barbie Three was the, was the best. Is the holographic world. version better than the on-screen version? Is Barbie Goes to Manhattan much better than Barbie One? Donald Barbie Trump's takes Manhattan. I would totally watch Barbie <laughs> takes Manhattan. That would be such a great movie. I think you got to go pitch Greta Gerwig now, Felix. I'm 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 totally. I'm going to go knock on her door. I'm going to be like Greta. You have to do Barbie takes Manhattan. Wasn't that great. Sex in the City kind of? I think there was also a Muppets. Don't they wind up going to Dubai? They go to Dubai. The Muppets go to Manhattan. <laughs> the Muppets took Manhattan. First it was the Muppets, then it's Bobby. That's that's how it works. All right. Thank you very much, Shana, for coming on the show. It's been great having you. It's been an absolute pleasure. Um, thanks to Patrick Fort for doing what Shana has historically done on the show, which is actually <laughs> produce the thing. Um, and we'll be back on Saturday with a regular slate money. <laughs> <laughs>